This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 439 for Tuesday, April 12th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Ryan Murphy is back, the co-host of Zombies Ate My Podcast, The Gamers Inn, and Dungeons and Diapers, as well as R. Murphy on Twitter. And before you ask, the last time that Ryan was on the show was episode 427 Partners, am I right? The 2021 Holiday Roundtable episode where we talked about Hawkeye. Welcome back, my friend. That's not too long ago. We're doing pretty well. It's always a joke like, oh, when was the last time I was on? And we all spend time searching and, and, and vamping like I'm doing now as, as we try to find out which episode was. So not that, not that long ago, holiday episode. The real question on everyone's minds at home is like, when was the last like true? Like, actually, that was a good true conversation episode as opposed to just like a holiday roundtable um, I think I jumped out before the Hawkeye stuff cause I wasn't finished. I think it had just finished, um, the series, but, uh, if you're, if you're interested in my take, it was, it was really good. I liked it. So, um, you've waited 20, no math, <laughs> 12, 12 episodes to, to hear whether I liked Hawkeye or not. It was good. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it as well. Uh, we, uh, we had a good conversation. That's, I think that's one of my favorite episodes from, from 2021. I mean, the holiday round tables are always high because I get to talk with a lot of my friends all at once. And so often the Citadel Cafe is, is a solo conversation between myself and a friend, but having everybody on at once. And it's like that feeling that you get, uh, and I get, or I used to get, I should say, because I haven't had a birthday or a Christmas party in about three years, but every once in a while, um, pre pandemic, I was able to have a group of friends over for a good excuse, like a Christmas party or like my 40th birthday party or whatever. And it was always nice to kind of like lean back and see like, here's a bunch of people that I normally hang out with on my own, but now they're all in a room together. And to see like people that know one another, but don't get to really hang out all kind of like just the chemistry and, and seeing the conversations happen. It's always really fun to be like, yeah, like my friends all like one another. It's really kind of cool. You know, I just, I wish there was more opportunity these days to do stuff like that. And it's, it's not hard in terms of getting everybody here technically on the podcast. It's just the schedules with, you know, people with that have small human minions they have to take care of. Sometimes there's pets involved, there's work schedules, and especially with so many people either working from home or doing their own independent stuff, you know, like myself with content creation, like trying to find the time to get everybody in the same room is just challenging. Uh, I mean, pandemic aside, trying to to gather folks and, and whatnot, it, it can be tough and, as someone who has um, had several uh, children's birthday parties over the last little bit, we haven't gone like to the point where you're inviting uh, their entire classroom, but uh, which I think some parents do, which is that's a lot. And um, I guess I guess at that age when they're super young, like you, you, there's this like thought process that you you try to invite everybody, but that just sounds like sounds like a horror show to me. <laughs> 
to have that many small children running around uh, all at once at a gathering. But even just family gatherings, you know, having I can't remember last time I had friends uh, together just as a just as a grouping. But it, you're right, like being able to get together and chat uh, either via podcast or just playing games like that has been a lot of fun and uh, has helped bridge the gap, I think, to getting back to that point in person. I need to play more games with people. You and I have done some Destiny on Xbox. That was ages ago. That might have been a year ago or more. Um, yeah. And that was really I think fun. it was just when the Series X came out, wasn't it? I think so, shortly thereafter. And I just, I need to get back to it. But so many of the games I play are either solo or um, <laughs> things like Forza, where they put like a drive avatar of your, of your friends, your Xbox friends. Yeah, we've been playing together for years. Yeah, <laughs> I sent you a DM the other day. I don't remember what track it was. There was some race in Forza Horizon 5 where uh, I was struggling to come in first. I usually, if I try a couple of times and I'm getting frustrated with it, I'll settle for anywhere in the top three, you know, place on the podium and then I'll move on to the next race. And I had placed fourth and I was, I tried, I'll try one more time. And I was, I was basically about to get, I was about to get second place, I think, or maybe it was my, maybe it was fourth. I don't remember. But Ryan's drive guitar came through and beat me by like four tenths of a second or something. <laughs> like I just like my, we were bumper to bumper <laughs> and it was just like, gah! and it's not even a real person. It's like it's an amalgamation of like your best times on that track or something. Or they just put your name on a random AI car. I don't know how it works. But the fact that yeah. your friends names zip by you is motivating in the game. <laughs> Yeah, I think you and I are very similar when it comes to playing video games is where like I I play video games to kind of this is going to sound bad, but I I play video games to like kind of just get some some alone time, some quiet time. A lot of the games I really dive into are single player. Um, I don't play a lot of multiplayer games, although when the opportunity does come up to play them, um, I really do enjoy that time. It's just I I know there are some gamers that really latch on to a specific title and are like, oh, we got, I got to get my, you know, uh, my Valheim time in with my friends, my Dead by Daylight time in. And I've never, I've never been like that. I think when I was a kid, I used to play a lot of games with my brothers. I grew up with three brothers and we would often play video games together. And I, we, I really enjoyed that, but, um, haven't really been able to recapture that in a while. And I think it just comes down to scheduling. Like I've got like, a maybe three hours at night once the kids go down and it's, it's a choice between, you know, playing video games, uh, playing new video games for, for the gamers in catching up on video games for other projects, trying new things or watching the many, many television shows that just continue to come out based on various properties. And uh, it's, there's just so much to consume now. And I, and I know it's a me problem. I know I should be scheduling time to, <laughs> I think I even had a conversation with a friend we went and saw Spider-Man No Way Home together. And I said, oh, we really got to play that, you know, Ghost of Tsushima game again. There's a co-op mode. We got to get back to it. I'll message you. I'll message you. This is four months ago. I'm a terrible, <laughs> yeah. terrible friend. I just, we're all so busy. And before you know it, it's it's mid-April. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just talking to uh, Chad, actually, uh, the other day. It was his birthday recently. And uh, we were talking about like, you know, the typical conversation, like, do you feel older, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of us are looking forward to, 
a slightly less pandemic future and i mean it's not going to happen tomorrow but like there's those kind of were the, the the sentiments but really it wasn't about feeling older so much as it was like i don't know where the time is going and it's not like the years are flying by it's more like the weeks like all of a sudden it's sunday monday and I'm doing, you know, my podcasting prep for the week and all that kind of stuff. I was like, where did the last week go? And it's because I have a very, I don't want to say repetitive, but it's because it, it, it's, it's, it's good to have a schedule, especially when you work from home. And I just find like, I just go through the motions. Everything is going well, so I can't complain. And then I have these larger, I hesitate to use the word word time sync because it's incredibly fun, but I stream Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So my weekends just vanish because I'm, I'm streaming four hours, you know, in an afternoon and it's great, but it also means that like all of a sudden it's Sunday at six o'clock. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like tomorrow is Monday and I have to do the spawn chunks and I have to prep for the Citadel Cafe this week with Ryan. And just like, there's just all this stuff that just all of a sudden I'm back to starting the whole cycle all over again. And, and again, it's a fun cycle. I'm not complaining, but I'm just feeling like the, the, there's not a lot of outside stuff happening. Like you said, like, you know, you say, yeah, we'll do that. We'll message a friend. I've been threatening to play Minecraft dungeons with Steven for probably six months. <laughs> you know, and it's just, yes, we just never I'm behind get on it. my podcast. I heard that conversation like three months ago, well, yeah. three months ago, my last week. So yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So it's, uh, you have to follow up with stuff. Although I have to say it's been nice. Uh, we've mentioned on the show, I think, that Stephen and I have been working out together because he's local and just down the road. So we've been going to the gym together in the mornings. And that's been nice. Like, we don't really get to spend much time hanging out because, like, we talk while we're on the treadmill. But then after that, we kind of go our separate ways because we've got different goals and different programs. Um, but it's just the, the act of physically going somewhere with someone three times a week as part of a routine is awesome. You know, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what it is, gym, you could be playing pool, you could be just going for a walk, whatever it is. But when we, what we, I think the smart thing that we did was commit to a schedule. Like we just have to settle on a time of day and a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and just go and, and commit to it. And, and it helps with being accountable. I mean, that's a good gym buddy kind of philosophy anyway, but it's true of anything. Like if you were playing D and D or if you were, you know, um, insert any other board game or or even just like meeting friends for a play date at the park you know with you know your you and your kid and and your friend and their kid if that's just become a thing that like every thursday at five o'clock unless it's pouring down rain you meet at the park you know like that kind of stuff i think having a schedule these days as weird as it sounds to like schedule fun giant air quotes i i think it can be important given how much everyone seems to have on their plate yeah yeah and and then that's the thing you you can schedule to your heart's content but then eventually like oh wait i've got no more <laughs> no more slots uh left in my calendar but uh it's it, yeah it's something you gotta uh, take note of and i and i think once the warmer weather hits i know we're not supposed to talk about this will probably be the the thing that kicks us in the next section but once it gets warmer i find it is also a little easier to stop overfilling the calendar and and reach out to people and remember like, oh yeah, we should, we should do that social thing. And, uh, it's not that we're not social. It's just that we've got a lot going on. I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out though. We'll, we'll get there. So whenever I have you on the show, I always like to touch base and find out what you're playing. I have not really been playing anything new that I haven't already talked about on the show. And I've got an entire other podcast for Minecraft. So if people want to hear about my latest Minecraft adventures, they can go listen to the Spun Chunks. But, uh, what have you been playing the last little while? I've been really just trying to 
digest uh horizon forbidden west on the playstation 5 um i know it's a game that came out a couple i think it was mid-february and in typical fashion it's taken me quite a while to to actually get close to finishing it um and i'm really enjoying it i love the first one i i came to the first one a little bit late in terms of how I'd normally cover a game, uh, you know, or, or play it. I like to play day one to be part of that conversation. Um, but the first horizon came out alongside another open world game, breath of the wild. And that took up a lot of my, a lot of my time, but, uh, you know, uh, Elden ring came out alongside horizon forbidden West and I wasn't interested in Elden ring. So (laughs) forbidden West took, took hold of me and I've been playing for the last two months, basically nonstop. Uh, well, as much as I can, like it, I have not finished it yet. And the, my ability to kind of chip away at it over the last two months, I'm, I think I've gotten to the point of no return The basically this is the final mission, wrap up what you want to wrap up, uh, because you're not going to be able to get back to it until you've essentially saved the world. So no pressure. Um, but I, I am very much enjoying it. It is, uh, it is a very, you know, video games get a, a bad rap. I think when they make a sequel that is literally just taking the first one, improving some systems, new story, new location. And it feels very similar. Like movies get away with it all the time where it's like, you know, the differences between guardians of the galaxy one and two, that might be a bad example, but like, you know, Marvel, just like Thor one and Thor two, again, another bad example because those weren't that great a movie, but you get the idea in movies. You can kind of like have sequels, that just build upon the first one, continue telling the story, introduce a few new characters, locations, and you've got a two and a half hour uh, fun ride. I think with video games, there is this like pressure, but also this, you know, feeling that you got to start from scratch, new platform, new generation. Let's let's start from the ground up for the sequel to to a game that worked really well. And, you know, Horizon doesn't do that. Forbidden West really takes the systems that were built in the first one and and just runs with them um, to the point where if you were to play, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn and go right into Forbidden West, like you wouldn't need the tutorials. You could kind of just keep going. You'd know how to shoot your bow, how to jump, how to climb. There'd be a couple differences, but for the most part, you know, Aloy's got very similar tech with a couple of well-deserved upgrades. So, I've been really enjoying it and it's nice that it's familiar as soon as I jumped in because it was it was very much like the first one. Um, but the story has been fantastic. It's one of those games that, that comes out that has what feels like a more unique story. You're dealing with a post-post-apocalypse scenario where the world has already ended and has come back, but then something's now threatening to, to end it again. So you gotta you got to save the world again, or not again, but... I don't know. It gets confusing. But <laughs> Save the world again it, for the first time. <laughs> yeah, again for the for the first time for you. But uh, you know, it's yeah, it's the first one kind of goes into the details of of uh, what's happened to this world, and the first one is all about the mystery of unraveling what happened, um, discovering the Zero Dawn project, and I don't like even though the game's been out for a while, like the sequel probably will bring people. To the first one, the first one just got a PC port that is finally stabilized. It's worth checking out. Um, so I don't want to spoil it. But the second one kind of, it was it was like, what, what are they going to do with the sequel? Because the first one, the most interesting part of the story was unraveling what happened 
to create this post-apocalyptic, uh, post-post-apocalyptic world. The second one kind of takes that, unravels a couple more layers, introduces a new threat that is related to this this uh, this apocalypse event that happened over a thousand years ago, and um, and deal with that threat. So it's and it isn't just the robots are back, you know, which is nice. The robots are already back and and very like uh, uh, what's the word uh, aggressive. So like there are these like machines that you're fighting. They kind of replace more of the larger wildlife. Um, they're meant to be there to kind of. Um, I think they were put there by this Zero Dawn project to kind of like uh, add more animals uh, as opposed to having like real animals. They would like replace rhinoceroses and, and hippos with these like giant machines. I can't remember why other than like from a design standpoint, they do look really cool. Um, and it gives you like a lore reason to like be constantly um, taking them down and and uh, using their parts to, to build new bows and weapons and, and outfits and stuff, uh, gear. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying the sequel. I think most people who played the first one are going to look at this sequel and be like, absolutely, yes, they've already bought it. They probably have already finished it. Um, I think for folks that may be looking to check out the sequel, it is also available on PlayStation 4. Um, that is worth noting. It is a cross-generation game, and... Um, Unlike other games that have come out that have kind of tried to run on both generations, this one has not had those like catastrophic issues. You know, there hasn't been the articles about, oh, the base PS4 version of Forbidden West runs really bad. And from what I've heard, it's really just the load times. You know, the graphics are to the platform, of course, but the biggest key difference, the stark difference is, is the load times because you have a difference between a, a hard drive and a and a gen four, uh, SSD. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a fun game. I know it's really tough to find PlayStation fives. And I think if you couldn't or didn't want to, like you could easily play it on, on a PS4, um, and have a good time and continue that story. But it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a monster, a monster, uh, hunter style game where you're, you're trying to not only fight against, you know, rivaling humans but also take on these monsters or these machines and the machines you have to like use weaknesses against them so you can scan them and determine oh this this monster is you know uh susceptible to lightning damage but if i hit his like poison canister that's on on his back it'll like explode and and do a bunch of damage why you would have a giant poison canister just exposed like that i don't know maybe put put a helmet on there or something (laughs) but uh you know, early on in the game, there are those like very clear, like, oh, if I shoot that with this, it's going to cause a lot of damage. Um, but as you get further into the game, it, it's certainly you, you get tougher and tougher machines who have more armor and and to get to those more, you know, uh, uh, those explosive uh, bits, you got to kind of take the armor off. But yeah, I'm I'm very much enjoying it. I don't know if you if Horizons ever come across your desk. I know you're not a PlayStation uh, platform owner, but I'm sure you've seen the game around, right? Oh, I've seen the game, and I own Horizon Zero Dawn on Steam. I want to say. Oh, that's right. It was one of those things that I I've never played it. I I picked it up on Steam sale just because it was you know a sixty or seventy dollar title that was like twenty bucks or less. I can't remember. But I, I I had some Steam credits, and I also was taking advantage of either the Christmas sale 
or the fall. I don't remember when it was, but my issue with this kind of stuff is that I prefer to couch console play it. And you're right. I have an Xbox, not a, not a PS five. Uh, and I don't have a way, I mean, I can use my controllers, but I don't have a way to play horizon zero dawn on my big screen. I'd have to sit at my computer, which is fine. That's how I play all the computer games that I play, but I already stream Minecraft like three days a week. So like my recreation gaming doesn't happen at the PC very much. Every now and again, I might actually be doing some behind the scenes stuff in Minecraft. But when I'm playing things like Minecraft Dungeons or Forza or um, Assassin's Creed or whatever, I'm in the living room on the couch with a controller and a cup of coffee and, and, you know, or something stronger. Uh, And that's, that's usually where I'm, I'm doing my recreational gaming, but I love the look of Horizon Zero Dawn. I remember being really disappointed when I first, saw the first title and found out it was PlayStation exclusive. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> like I just, just not, you know, cause even back then I had a 360 in the house. It was like, uh, I like, I just, I, I'm not the person that has like multiple consoles. So, and there might be a way for me to get my, my steam content to my big screen, um, from the computer, but they're not close together. They're 30 or 40 feet apart easily. So, um, hardwire would, would be not convenient. So I'd have to look into other things, but I've thought about it. Like I've thought about playing, you know, that on the PC, I've got a couple of other titles that I've just picked up because sometimes you get really good titles on Epic games for free, you know, or very cheap. Uh, and they're, they're larger, you know, titles. Um, I don't know what would have more, more graphic power. Like, would I have a better experience playing on a console? Like if I somehow magically had a PS5 land in my lap or, for games that are on PC and on Xbox, like, is it better for me to play on the Xbox Series X? My PC has got a 1660 Ti, so it's it's not a terrible graphics card, but it's certainly not the latest greatest. Yeah, I mean, that's always the toughest. Uh, for me, you know, you, you, you nailed it on the head with you spend a lot of time already on your computer in your office. For me, working from home, I'm in my office, uh, working from home and podcasting, I'm I'm. I'm in my office, like sometimes 10 hours a day, you know, working and then doing a podcast in the evening and then plus editing. So I've really stopped playing PC games over the last couple of years uh, due to working from home. And it's not to say I don't enjoy, I do enjoy playing PC games. I still buy PC games, as you mentioned, Steam sales and and, um, Epic Games uh, giveaways and stuff. And I... I have a couple options. Like I do have an older computer like that I bought 10 years ago that um, I've done some Steam Link streaming to, uh, which is not perfect, but for, it wouldn't be good for Horizon, but for games, some of the free games you get on Epic or um, some of the more turn-based style games. Uh, I remember playing a lot of XCOM 2 over Steam Link. Um, which is, uh, and there's, there's also, you have that app on, on, you know, you can get it on tablets. You can, you can access it from your MacBook. Um, it's, it's basically just the game is running in your office on the computer, but you're accessing it from your tablet. And I've, and that's where I've really been able to get back into those steam games that are PC only, you know, um, a lot of card games, a lot of strategic battlers, that sort of stuff. Um, the other thing is you could also like, you could look into buying a long HDMI cable. It's, it's really, I mean, I think there is a a return on, uh, not a return on investment, but there's like a, 
there's a, there's a, a level you hit like once you go over a certain amount of feet you you start to get degra- degradation or or lag or whatever um but i i remember having a pc not in this house but at an old apartment where um the pc was in behind like way behind the couch and the tv was in the other room and i ran a cable from the pc all the way all the way to the tv and it just comes down to like whether you got the reception for your wireless controller to be able to right handle that and you just pipe all the audio through the hdmi and uh it might work i don't know like i I like to find creative solutions to that because i do enjoy playing pc games i do enjoy being able to access the games that uh that i can buy for for less money through a steam sale on the pc and um but when it comes to like pc or console whereas maybe 20 years ago people get involved in that like really stupid conversation of like oh pc versus console which is better for me it's just wherever i'm comfortable and and right now like you my series x is more powerful than my pc so if i have the option then there's real no difference maybe on price or or service i i usually just install it on the xbox the hardest thing is trying to fit it into (laughs) fit it into the hard drive because a terabyte only lasts Agreed. so long when you're on Xbox Game Pass. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I do have to uninstall stuff via priority and just be like, and 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 then this is a question that you might be able to answer. Like, if I uninstall a game from Xbox mm-hmm. that I have played, put a little bit of time into, does it remember where I left off? So that if I decide to re-download it later, that the game will will remember, or do I have to start from scratch? Uh, well, that's the great thing about Xbox. Um, when you do compare the platforms, both PlayStation and Nintendo tie their cloud saves to uh to their subscription that being said the saves do exist on the console as well so if you're not an active subscriber to their premium online service you still have the saves on the system xbox doesn't charge you to have saves in the cloud so if you're not a subscriber to anything and i know you and i both are subscribers to to game pass ultimate um, which includes xbox live it doesn't matter like all those saves are in the cloud um and on your hard drive so if you uninstall a game and then reinstall it down the road, you'll have access to those saves. I mean, I remember nice. playing like booting up Mass Effect 3 on the Xbox One and it pulled my saves off the cloud. No problem. Um, after five years of of, uh, of being in a, in a new generation of consoles. And um, the other tip I would have for, for next gen, both on the PlayStation and on the Xbox, where there is that limited amount of storage is you can buy like a a fairly inexpensive USB 3 hard drive. You can get them up to four terabytes and you can plug that into uh, the USB slot on, on either of those consoles. And they both support like basically, uh, it's, I don't know what their term is, but in my mind, it's like putting a game in the freezer. So a game that can only run on the internal hard drive or even an official like expansion uh, pack that they have that are super duper expensive um let's say you're oh i'm not gonna play uh forza horizon 5 for a little bit you can move that to the external hard drive you won't be able to play it from the external hard drive but at least like it'll be there when you need it um it does come into the conversation of like what kind of usage and i don't know what the usage or damage would be of like the read write of going back and forth but if you're going to store it for a while like and you need that space right away for a brand new game, absolutely. Throw it on the external drive. It's a quick process that uh, that runs in the background while you're doing other things. And I've done that a couple times where I'm like, I'm not ready to delete, you know, 
XYZ from Game Pass. I want to get to it eventually, and I want to save the time of having to download it again. It's an actual, it's a great thing to use if, if you have data caps. I don't, I don't have data caps anymore. No, I don't either. Internet, but um, for folks that do, like, that's what I would recommend. So, like, if most games are like those larger ones, 80 gigabytes, especially on the next gen or the current generation consoles, you're going to want to shelve them as opposed to redownload them if you have a data cap. So the only thing that I've really been able to play with or play around with to, to bring people up to speed a little bit uh, over the last week has been the Elgato Stream Deck. So I've not really spent a lot of my downtime playing other games, but I've been kind of prepping for streaming and trying to increase the quality and, and my control over my Twitch streams. And I'm still of the mind that the Elgato Stream Deck is small. Uh, I don't mind that it's got 15 buttons. It's not that I want more buttons, although I can quickly understand why people might be attracted to the larger, the larger buttons. Uh, Cause there's a, there's an XL version that I think has something like 40 buttons on it. Um, but this one's got 15, but you can add as many pages and as di- many different profiles as you would ever need. Um, plus there's like subfolders, like you can really get in depth with it. So I don't run out of options. I just find that and I think because of the price, it's because it's a $200 price tag in Canada. It just feels like a really small device. I was hoping to be to have something about the size of a, of a small tablet. So like I was thinking the buttons should be more like two centimeters squared instead of one centimeter squared. And so I do find as cool as it is, I wish it was just a little bit bigger in terms of just like feeling like a, a, a good purchase, I guess, if that sounds funny. Now, functionally though, really enjoying it uh things like switching scenes and and popping things up on screen like my browser for like reference to a video or reference to an art image that i'm building something with in minecraft like that's super straightforward it is exactly the same as what i was doing on my ipad except for it's much closer to my right hand it's closer to my keyboard it's easy to do fine works like a charm the real power i think in the stream deck for me so far has been the programmable multitask buttons so I have a number of things that I need to open to start streaming. You know, I've got to open Streamlabs. I have a timer app, a music app. I've got three or four websites I want open. I have to open Minecraft or at least the launcher. And so for a test, I decided I'm going to tie everything to one button. It's like a get ready to stream button. So you boot up your PC where it's already booted. You just come come out of sleep mode and I hit one button and it arranges everything up on the screen and the only thing that isn't where I left it last, which is kind of a precise location, is the web browser because that could get moved around depending. But it always opens up all the tabs that I want. It's really, really cool. The other thing that I have found very, very handy has been uh, when I take a stream break, which is once an hour, uh, I now can press one button. Whereas before, and I had the sequence down, I would have to switch to the b right back screen on the iPad. I would have to run a three minute ad on Twitch on the iPad. I would then have to play my music. And uh, there was one other thing. There's some, and then my mods would, would inform chat as to what's happening. Um, but now with the stream deck, I can have one button because of the integration with Twitch, Streamlabs, desktop, uh, and many other, you know, other apps that you can get widgets for. It does all of that with one button press and it's a toggleable one button press. So like when you press it, it'll say, you know, you correct, like that all processes have been complete. Uh, you can now walk away from your computer knowing that you are on a six minute break 
And uh, I, I really enjoy the fact that that will streamline things for not just me, but also the mods that are so nice to help me out in chat when I'm live. And so that has been just a game changer, like just a, a it, it feels a lot sleeker. And I think it, it removes a lot of potential human error. Like if I forget to hit play on the music or if I, you know, the stream timer was at the wrong time. Like I can specifically say, start the timer, but start a six minute timer. Like it has to be exact, you know? Um, the reason why it's six minutes, normally I take about a five or six minute break, but the, the, the music that I've chosen recently is a, is, a, is a six minute track. So it makes sense to keep the break to the same length. Um, but yeah, I just, I've, I've really been enjoying it. Um, the other thing that I think is really cool for the small details are things like different icon colors for buttons that require some sort of feedback. So like when you're on your live screen, it'll give you like a little recording icon. And if you're not on your live screen, it'll give it like a number or a different color. And these are all configurable to you. So I chose these colors or these icons. Same thing with like, if you want to pop something up on screen, I've got a little emoji of myself as a cartoon that I pop up from time to time. And if it's not on screen, then I've created a black and white icon that shows up on the stream deck. And if it is on screen, then my little icon changes to color. And it's, it's a subtle thing, but when you've got an LCD button, the fact that you can create different images on it um, to give you feedback as, as the person running everything, it's just fantastic. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Like I said, the only complaint that I have, and it's a, it's a small complaint, pardon the pun, is that I feel like the device is tiny. You know, like I, I, I want something a little bit larger. I was hoping for an experience, like whenever you see like those cool sound mixing boards, you know, you'll see in like a recording studio, the buttons that they're pressing seem to be a lot larger than, than the buttons that I'm pressing on this, on the stream deck. And I don't know whether that was a cost thing or whatever, cause they are roughly the same size as a key on a keyboard. And that's probably what they were going for, but I was kind of hoping for something a little bit larger. It could also be that I'm just spoiled by the iPad having buttons that are roughly like an inch and a quarter square, great big things. You can't miss them. They're very easy to press. So um, that, that is one, one thing that I've noticed, but everything else about it has been, has been a pretty smooth experience so far. Do you have one? No, uh, but I love the idea of automation, um, and cutting down on steps by having these, these shortcuts. I actually, um, I actually got a, a, a Apple HomePod mini for my birthday not too long ago. And one of the, coolest things that I did is I, I set up and I haven't done much with it. So I'll, I'll be honest. Um, but one of the cool things I did was immediately set up shortcuts, uh, for Siri to change the way podcasts play at a specific speed. And, uh, one of those podcasts is the morning stream. There's like five episodes a week. So it is super crazy to try to keep up with it. So I do play it at a, at a faster speed, but I don't want to listen to the songs at a faster speed. So if I'm doing the dishes in the kitchen while listening to the podcast off my phone onto the onto the HomePod Mini, I can ask uh, the HomePod Mini to say, "Oh, Overcast, uh, play normal speed," and it'll just it'll keep playing, but it'll turn it down to normal speed, and then I can speed it back up, you know, uh, once the song is over without having to to stop what I'm doing. And and it was it's a small thing, but it was one of those things where I was like, it feels really good to set up that type of automation and and these uh stream decks if if i if if i did a bunch of streaming like i think i stream maybe three times a year usually for for extra life in the fall um and 
I could see myself. It, I I always resist because it's like they are. I think they're like about 150 to 200, right? They're they're not they're not inexpensive, but the one that I got is the standard size, and it was it was 199 Canadian plus tax. Yeah, it do, and it does a lot. Don't get me wrong, like you know LCD screens. Yeah, and not, and not just for streaming. Like you could use it for computer software. You can use it for Photoshop. You can use it for editing podcasts. Like you could, you could use it for all kinds of stuff. Works with Mac and PC. Like there's a whole rabbit hole that I just haven't gone down yet because I've only had it for a week. Um, but there's really? there's definitely some things. Yeah, well, because it and it does hotkeys. So you can just go into your system and say like, okay, well, if I'm in this particular program, I'm going to need to run some hotkeys. And so what I did is I created like, whenever I finish my stream, I have to take a screenshot and I have to reduce it to 720 by 1280 in order for it to not be too large for a thumbnail on Twitch. And it's not difficult, but it's something that I have to do every single time I stream. And it's about three to five steps inside of just a very simple Windows, you know, paint program. And because it all of those things have got hotkeys i can open up the image in the paint program and now hit one button on the stream deck and it changes the scale reduces the scale saves as a jpeg and then asks me what do you want to call it and at that point i just type in the name and then hit enter done and it's, it's a simple simple thing it, it doesn't save me that much time it's just it saves me the monotony i guess of it all um, I know what you mean about automation. I've got, uh, and we got to move on after this, but I, I know that, um, I have these, I have the Govia immersion kit on my television that changes the lights on the wall behind the TV, depending on what's on the TV, but it's on a timer. So it kind of comes on with my whole entertainment system at a certain time of night. Now there are times during the day when I want to watch something on the Xbox or play something on the Xbox and my TV and Xbox have the HDMI throughput where if I turn on the Xbox, the TV will turn on automatically and vice versa. If I turn off the Xbox, the TV will turn off automatically. However, I'd have to turn on the light separately. So all I did was I created, uh, I, you have a, a Apple HomePod. I've got a Alexa or an, an Echo Dot rather. Um, I just say the activation word and then tell the, the Echo to turn on the Xbox. And because it's a voice command, I can now also get it to turn on the Xbox, which turns on the TV automatically and now turns on the Govi lights because the Govi lights are not something that I can tie into the Xbox just powering on. There has to be something else in the system that turns them on. They work with um, Google Home and, and uh, Amazon uh, Alexa. So like that alone has just been great to be like, you know, turn on the Xbox and then like, boop, 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 the three things that come on that I want on, come on. And if I say turn off the Xbox, boop, 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 it just, it's almost instant, you know, like things are off before the dot says, okay, they're off, you know, like before I get the verbal confirmation from, from the echo, it's, it's fantastic. I, I really enjoy it. It's such a small first world thing, but like, it's, it's really fun as, as somebody that grew up watching Star Trek to be able to control that kind of stuff, you know? Um, changing the vo volume of podcasts, you know, with your voice by saying like, turn up or turn down by 10%, like stuff like that is just, it's slick. And when you, like you said, you're doing dishes you get, or uh, for me, if I'm cooking and like, I got my hands covered in chicken and I like this song and it's too low, you know, like when ACDC comes on, you're like, yeah, turn it up, you know, and you can just ask for it and it just does it. It's, it's really slick. And, um, any kind of home automation, like I need to learn more about it and I want to get into more smart home stuff in an apartment. It's kind of hard. If you have a home where you can get into like thermostat stuff and lights, then, um, I eventually want to have more of my lights, you know, on timers and things. And the only, the only thing right now is that my lights, 
when the time change happened for spring a couple weeks ago, my lights are now messed up. They didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't talk to the internet and find out the new time. <laughs> so <laughs> you say turn on at eight o'clock and they come on at nine o'clock. It's like, nope, that's not what I said. So there's a program problem somewhere and they're a pain in the butt to reset. So I kind of want to see if I can sort it out. But until the firmware comes down to fix it, I'm kind of stuck. We can move on to what we've been watching. Uh, I'll start and I'll keep it short and sweet because I really like this film. I watched Finch on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it's a movie starring Tom Hanks as Finch and Caleb Landry-Jones as Jeff the Robot, uh, directed by Miguel uh, Sapochink. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Sapochink has mostly television credits, but excellent ones you're probably familiar with, like House, Fringe, and Game of Thrones, specifically season eight, episode three, The Long Night in Game of Thrones, which is a big battle sequence uh, and and was nominated for a number of awards. Um, this is a really, really good film. Uh, I'm a Tom Hanks fan, so if you're not, you might not like it. But um, Finch, the character, is a lonely survivor in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, faced with a dire situation, a superstorm coming his way. That means he has to move from his current home uh, and take his dog and newly created robot, later named Jeff, to the west coast of the U.S. Essentially, by getting over the mountains, getting over the Rockies or beyond the Rockies, they'll be safe from the superstorm that's going to like rip through the Midwest. Uh, and so that's that's their plan. Uh, it starts off a bit grim. It's lonely at the beginning and. Maybe I'm just kind of like sensitive from the pandemic, but like it re it really felt like a bit of a downer for a while. But they do start to sprinkle some levity into it when Finch actually turns on uh, Jeff. So for the first part of the film, he's just the robot. Doesn't really give him a name. Uh, but the robot is in the process of being made. And this superstorm kind of like accelerates that. So there's like a, a montage of Finch kind of like completing the process and, and bringing the robot to life. And because they couldn't finish all of the download because of their rush to leave, Jeff develops over the film. So at first he kind of sounds like Wally from Pixar, but even a few scenes later, you can start to realize that his speech is improving his, his um, comprehension is improving. His physical motor skills are improving. Uh, and it's just, it's a really interesting story about like the relationship between Finch and Jeff, the relationship between Finch and the rest of the world. Uh, and it's a really excellent performance from Hanks because he's the only human in the whole film. It's just him and the robot the whole time. So it's almost like an art piece in terms of like, it's a very, it's not a small film in terms of its scale when you watch it. It still feels like a big Hollywood movie. But in terms of the cast, like it's just Tom Hanks and this robot. And I mean, the robot's played by a person and um, really, really well done. Have you seen it yet? I have not. It's one of those Apple TV Plus uh, movies that popped up. And, and what this is, the second one, I think, that Tom Hanks uh, has released. The first one being, uh, it was the, was it the submarine it was a war movie. I can't remember if it was a submarine or a boat. <laughs> oh, yes. It was, it was a World War II where he's he's a captain on a on a warship or something, I think. I think you're right. It's a boat. Yeah. Um, for the I, I for some reason a submarine. Maybe submarines were involved. <laughs> I didn't watch it, but I remember the thing about Apple TV Plus is I think um 
it has had like some real standout TV shows. The obvious one coming to mind being, you know, Ted Lasso. And I think that because that one did so well and kind of broke outside of like the streaming conversation and into just like general television, like cable, premium cable kind of like still, I think dominates most of the conversation, but streaming is streaming is, is, is now much more becoming a, a more dominant force. But Apple TV was kind of, it, it's late to the game. It's, it's trying to catch up with, you know, the Netflixes and um, I think the latest one that kind of came in and was able to, to take hold was, was Disney plus thanks to the, the Mandalorian. But um, there's a lot of great stuff on Apple TV plus and, and Finch was one of them that I wanted to watch. Uh, I find it, tougher to to sit down for a movie than to just check into a tv show for a little bit but um yeah i wanted to watch it and i i from what it sounds like it it it's a really fun film and and do the effects hold up i i find that can sometimes be a tough thing with movies for, on a streaming service do the do the effects do well for themselves before i forget greyhound i think is the name of the of the war film from 2020 that you're thinking of Right. Um, that Tom Hanks was in. Um, but yeah, so the way that they did Jeff, the robot, uh, true to form these days, um, they did a lot of motion capture uh, from what I can tell. And whenever they did, if they did move into uh, any kind of CG, probably for wide shots, it's seamless. Like you just, you cannot tell. And a good reason for that uh, is the impeccable performance from Caleb Landry Jones as the robot. It's he's very human. They don't beat you over the head with a lot of exposition. You just kind of get to the idea that we're far enough in technology that Finch isn't marveled at the fact that he's creating an AI. Like it seems like pretty standard practice by creating this robot. It's going to be able to think and process and grow and maybe not feel, but maybe yes, feel they never get into that. So it's kind of nice that you don't go down the same tropes as a lot of sci-fi films where like there's a robot and, and the, the thing that really tipped me off to the human performance of it is that Jeff, the robot has hands and they're very, uh, they're robot hands, but they look like gloves. So the kind of thing, like they're kind of oversized to the point where he has trouble doing small, like particular things. He's, but he can carry great loads. He's just, he's just got these big mitts on him. And if you ever pay attention to when you're watching any of the Muppet um, or any of the Jim Henson kind of productions where one of the puppets in general has gloved hands like Rolf or Fozzie uh, or Ernie from Ernie and Bert. Whenever Jeff is like sitting and thinking, he's like twiddling his fingers or he's just kind of like doing stuff with his hands. There's a couple of scenes in an RV where um, Finch has to interact with him and he goes to shake his hand. So like Tom Hanks is physically shaking hand with a prop that's on set. Like there is somebody there operating a robot marionette or puppet in some way. I'm assuming a lot of it is probably strapped to Landry Jones somehow and they've just green he's probably in a green suit and they're just kind of like editing him out later because it is very human looking and and it works really really well and then like later on when you've got to do this like skeletal robot kind of walking around in wide shots like sure they they have to probably cg some of it in but again when he's learning to walk it's so 
toddler-like and and so childlike in many of his expressions later on. Like when he gets excited, he kind of does like a little hop, you know? And it it's the kind of thing that a human, I think, would capture so much better. So at the very least, if it's not, you know, um, all mechanical puppetry with them editing out the 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 person operating i think there's a lot of motion capture uh it's probably a, an amalgamation of all kinds of those things but it's again you don't think about it because it's done so well you're just looking at jeff you're just looking at jeff learn how to be a, a, a robot and a friend to finch that's it like you just you're, you're not thinking about how they do that it's just you get lost in the character and i mean i tip of my hat to both the director and you know, the performers, like it's, it's really, really well done. Same with Tom Hanks's performance. Like there are some movies where like, as much as I like Castaway, it's not a huge stretch for Tom Hanks in terms of his personality, what he's doing emotionally in the film. Sure. But in terms of Tom Hanks, you've seen that kind of version of Tom Hanks in a couple of other films, I think, but in Finch, it's layered to a point where there's weakness in his voice for good reason. There's emotions in his voice that they don't tell you the reasons for them, but you get the real feeling that he's lonely. You know, there's stuff that I won't spoil in the film where they get into not so much the reason for the, why the world is post-apocalyptic, but why Tom Hanks is being so solitary and stuff. Uh, and they really unfold the emotional roadmap for finch in the film and they don't do that for you right away but you pick up on these subtle sad or fearful emotions early on and it has you wondering like okay this is not like confident fast talking tom hanks like something has happened to finch and he's bringing that in in a really real way uh, and I, like I said, I, I like the layers of the film uh, later on. I mean, this is not a huge spoiler, but they, they basically tell you at some point that a solar flare is the reason for all the mayhem on the planet. Uh, the sun basically had a solar flare and it just kind of destroyed all kinds of stuff on earth, uh, ecosystems and electronics and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, that gives you the reason for the bleak landscape and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they really give you some payoffs later on. And, and I, again, I just have to say like, it's a really solitary film. So it struck a chord with me just like, you know, being single, living alone through most of the pandemic. Um, and then, you know, watching a movie about this guy that's essentially doing the same thing. It just, it really struck a chord. Like I could identify a lot with Finch, I think. And I, I can't say enough good things about it. It's, it's not overly long either. Like it's a pretty standard two hours. It's not like a three hour epic or anything nuts. Uh, and, um, and on Apple TV plus, like it doesn't have a huge library, but for the price point, which I believe is five ninety nine a month, uh, less if you've bundled it in with, you know, a family plan for Apple music and everything else, uh, it's worth it because I'm enjoying foundation and I'm in, I enjoyed the, the, the Finch film. There's other things I'm going to be looking at and, and watching on the platform later. Uh, I happen to have three free months through the purchase of a recent iPhone. So I'm enjoying that, but I'm, I mean, like I'm more than happy to keep Apple TV plus going. Whereas I can't wait to cancel Crave. Like I just, I'm not having a good experience with Crave. I'm only watching because I like Picard and that's it. <laughs> like there's no other reason. And it's the only way I have access to it. Um, yeah. but yeah, hi highly recommended. So if you haven't watched it, Ryan, then I, I would put it on your, on your watch list. 
I, I will. Uh, there's a couple other shows that I need to check out on Apple TV Plus. I've heard good things about Severance. Um, I, I just watched. Uh, we actually our subscription just lapsed. We watched um, The After Party, which is a, a a comedy murder mystery similar to uh, Only Murders in the Building, um, by uh, the 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 producer duo behind um, Into the Spider Verse and. Um, the Lego movies. Uh, I okay, fun stuff then. Yeah, so what's the guy's name? Phil Lord, I think, is one of them. Is it, they brothers? Christopher's coming to mind. Terrible with remembering names, but it, I mean, like you, you, you mentioned, you know, Crave being so terrible. Like, if we're looking at like really bad streaming apps, I think Crave is it leaves a lot to be desired. Um, but I also find like the Amazon Prime Video one is a bit of a mess too. Um, been, uh, watching a lot of, um, uh, the kids have been all three of the kids. It's hard to find a show that they will all want to watch, you know, two, four, and six SpongeBob has been it. And there's only one season of SpongeBob on Netflix. So I got so sick and tired of watching the same episodes over and over again. Cause there's only 24 of them. Um, I subscribed to like Nick plus, uh, via Amazon prime video channels. So they have access to all of it. Um, and, uh, yeah, this the user interface is not great, and specifically on the Xbox, I, I find that uh, it, the app is is pretty lackluster. But uh, the Apple TV Plus stuff is really good. Like that app works great across like any platform I've played it on, like Xbox, PlayStation, even the TV. Like it's just mm-hmm. it's a really good service. Yeah, and the fact that I'm watching stuff in 4K on a 4K TV. You know, the fact that it comes in in, in HDR on the Xbox or, or Dolby on the Roku. Um, I don't know why the Xbox doesn't do Dolby. I, I guess it just defaults to HDR because it's a gaming system. And then maybe that's something I have to switch in my settings. But I, for, for certain services, I do find I switch. Like I, I'll watch Disney Plus and Prime on the Roku TV rather than watching it through the app, through the Xbox, because I think the Dolby is just better. I find I have a better experience. Um, prime I'm with you. It's that's hit or miss. And Crave is a, is a shit show. Like I just, I, I really am unimpressed with, especially because Crave out of all of these, with the exception of Netflix is the most expensive and yeah. Netflix. My issue isn't the quality. It's, it's Netflix is like, that's the sheer volume of stuff and the volume of chaff that I have absolutely no interest in. And so until stranger things comes out, like I don't really have a lot on Netflix that I'm, I'm looking into. I've got a number of things that I've, I've got going that I just haven't finished, but I've got other new shiny things on limited time free trials <laughs> that I'm probably going to be focusing on more like Apple TV stuff for now. Um, and then watching some stuff on Crave before I cancel. Unfortunately, Strange New Worlds, that's the only way I'm going to be watching Strange New Worlds. But uh, we'll see. I might I might see what happens. Like I, in a way, I mean, they're smart and that they're releasing these things weekly but I'd really prefer to jump in and try to watch stuff all in one go. Uh, Cause I don't want to give Crave any more money than I have to. Apparently in September for Roku, Crave is going to be able to start streaming 4k, but like, I'll believe it when I see it. I know we're a little bit pressed for time. Uh, do you have anything that you've been watching this last little while? I mean, I can quickly touch on uh, the halo TV series has just started on paramount plus, And I think that's where, um, if you're looking, I, I think that's the tough one with Crave is like, I think Crave snapped up a lot of the Paramount Plus programming before that came to Canada. Um, so n- I think 
like a lot of that Star Trek stuff is still stuck on Crave. I don't even yeah. know if it's available on Paramount Plus in Canada. Um, I'd have to look into that. But I have been watching the Halo TV series. This is a series that has been, they've been trying to get up and running for the last decade, probably since Halo was, Halo's still very popular, don't get me wrong, but like there was this time when Halo was very popular. Uh, and I think that's when they started to work on this TV show and it got stuck in development hell. Um, and they finally got off the ground. It's out. Um, the articles you've probably seen online is Master Chief takes his helmet off and you also see Master Chief's butt. So just keep that in mind. Um, if you're a purist for the video games, you're going to see his butt and his face. So... <laughs> So, I'm not joking. There are articles about that. I, I, uh, I don't have like I hate it's the not a problem. Sometimes. It, the internet. I think the pro like the thing is like the Halo TV series is a is a pretty good Halo show, and I've had this conversation on a couple podcasts where people are like, "It sounds like you you really don't like it." It's like, no, it's good. It's a good TV show. But the problem is that there's a lot of good TV shows out of there, and it doesn't quite break through from that. It's a fun watch. It's a good TV show. It's it's a Halo TV show. And and enter that realm of like, I think the last show that probably entered this realm would have been like The Mandalorian, where it escapes just the, it's a very good show, but now I'm going to talk about it like right away on Twitter as soon as I watch it and, and spoil it for everybody. Like it, it hasn't quite gotten to that moment where it's, I think that's how you measure whether like it's goes from a good show to a really great show is when everyone's talking about it. But the fact that it just exists and it's good and you can watch it and enjoy it at your leisure. I kind of appreciate that. Cause I don't have to worry about, it. I don't have to mute halo, you know, every day. And same thing with moon Knight. I started watching moon Knight as well. And I, I don't have to mute moon Knight on Twitter because people don't spoil it. And I, I don't know if it, maybe I'm not like ranking it properly. Like maybe, maybe it needs to be, uh, it's, Maybe it can be great and not be spoiled on Twitter, but I, I find for like this geeky stuff, if it's, if it kind of escapes that good and goes into really, really great, like it just, it takes over social media and I'm fine. It's not doing that because I, I am enjoying it. It's a, it's a solid halo show, but it's, it's a pretty, you know, it's a, it's a sci-fi. It's pretty like, I don't want to say generic, but if you were to watch it, it's like, oh, this is a, a sci-fi story about humans and aliens and space stuff you know um but yeah like the internet's weird like they've tried to a lot of news sites you know it's you have to have the clicks you have to have the articles and a lot of the articles i've seen is you get the standard like review articles but also like people tying into that weird internet outrage of like it's not like the games like he takes his helmet off and you see his face and uh it's uh pablo uh schreier the guy who is um he was in Orange the New Black, uh, and he was also in American Gods. I never saw it, American Gods, but he he's in American Gods. I don't remember which god he was, though, because it's been a while since I looked it up. But uh, he plays the Master Chief. So and he's he's fairly good. Like again, like how do you how do you take a character that is basically like uh a Doom guy that doesn't talk at all? I guess Doom Guy doesn't talk either, but you know, he's, he's like this, he's this dude that just doesn't talk. Like he, he, Master Chief has a couple of lines and one-liners, but he's not a charismatic dude. And in a video game, that's fine because you're supposed to put yourself in the character that's the silent protagonist, right? Um, he only has a few select lines when it, when it's needed. 
but in the TV show, like it's, it's a TV show. It's a sci-fi. It's good. I like it. Um, it's, it's fine for what it is. Like, it's not bad, which is usually what you'd see with video game adaptations. Like, oh, it's terrible. And there's a bunch of uh, articles about that. Um, the other one that, uh, video game related, but also sort of a more outside of its medium is the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie, which again, if you asked me five years ago, would I be talking about a Sonic the Hedgehog movie being good? Um, I'd be like, well, I'd love to see that. Uh, but they've made now two pretty decent adaptations of Sonic the Hedgehog. And I think I'm coming around on the fact that maybe Sonic the Hedgehog makes a better like adaptation than a video game. Like they haven't made a pretty good Sonic game in a while. Um, I was corrected. I think, I guess the last one was Sonic Mania, which was like the 2D sort of not demake, but like they went back to the old school, like Genesis style and, and made it on current systems. Um, that was probably the last good Sonic game, but, uh, I mean, you can't go wrong with Jim Carrey hamming it up on screen and he plays a fantastic Robotnik. Um, it's only in theaters. Uh, I, I didn't see it alone. I, I took the kids as well. Um, and we had a great time, uh, watching Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and, um, they were cheering every time Sonic did a Sonic thing and they loved it. And it was, I, I honestly spent most of the movie just shoveling snacks because they were just constantly, they knew I had like a, a, a bag of candy or whatever. So they were mostly <laughs> just asking for that. Um, which, so that like I was half watching the movie and half strategically wondering like how much can I have of the snacks without running out by the end of the film? Um, so, uh, but, but I still did very much enjoy it. And, um, again, like if you didn't like the first one, then you're not gonna like the second one. Cause it's more of that. It's still like a, a very, you know, hammed up video game movie, um, that plays very close to its source material with, um, they've now introduced tails and knuckles. And again, Jim Carrier's Robotnik. He, he just, he chews the scenery the whole time and it's fantastic. So, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a fun, a fun sequel for sure. I've heard that if you like those, then they're good for what they are. Like that's kind of where I, where I've heard. I mean, I like the Pokemon movie, not, not, uh, yeah. The detective Pikachu. I like, I like the yeah. detective Pikachu. I thought was good. I mean, it it was what it was. Like I wasn't expecting Shakespeare, but I thought it was really well done. Uh, I think they yeah. just didn't stick the landing, but I mean, I'd be open to watching either the Sonic films on a night that I don't have anything else to watch, but like, <laughs> when has that happened in the last <laughs> six months? Right. I'm curious about where, like, where are you watching Paramount plus? Uh, it's on the Xbox. You can, so actually funny enough, uh, your game Pass ultimate subscriber, right? Yes. All right. So there's a perk, uh, that you can unlock, which is a 30 day free trial of Paramount plus. And that's how I'm watching is I've activated that, uh, that free trial. I don't know if it's longer than, uh, the free trial that would be normally offered, but, um, it is a specific unlock under the perk section of the Xbox game pass ultimate. So yeah, you can check it out too. A 30-day free trial. So I tried that. I haven't I haven't unraveled the free trial, but the app is not available in the in the store in Canada on the Xbox. Oh. So do you have a VPN? No. How am I okay, no, I don't know. I I, I thought I had downloaded it. Yeah. So like I, I went looking and every article that I found on how to watch Paramount Plus in Canada was like you have to have a VPN. Like that was the that was really the, 
yeah, the first six replies, first six um, returns on Google were like articles about like, you know, ExpressVPN. And the other thing was that I went looking and like, it's not an extra channel on Prime. It's not an extra channel on Crave. Like, uh, it's not, uh, I I didn't have time before the show to, to look at my Roku to see if I can get Paramount Plus there. But on the Xbox, it says not available in Canada. And then all of the reviews are like one and two stars going like, why are you promoting this app when I can't watch it in Canada? Like, why do I have a free Paramount plus 30 days that I can't use that you're advertising the crap out of this Halo show that I can't watch? Like it, it I don't know what's going on. Hmm. You know what? Maybe I'm wrong and I'm not watching on the Xbox, but I activated it from the free trial. Oh, I can activate the free trial. That's an option. Like that, that doesn't block me out. It says, do you want to redeem it? It's like, well, I could, but like, first I need to know where I'm going to watch this. Weird. Okay. So maybe, maybe I'm watching it on my, my prime stick or whatever, my, my fire TV stick. Cause I know like the fire TV stick is, it has everything. It even has like my bell receiver app, which is like, oh it's got a lot there so it, that could be where i'm watching it maybe the roku maybe the roku will have the paramount plus so i'll report back uh next time and and figure out because i have been interested in halo i haven't played a lot of halo i think i got through half the first game and then i downloaded halo infinite and played the first mission or two and like it didn't really seem to be anything different than the first time i played halo like six or eight years ago so i hadn't returned to it it looked cool it was fun but like i just i wasn't grabbed by the story at all in halo infinite um but i like i like the universe like i've seen enough through pop culture and friends and you that you know the covenant and you know what master chief is and what cartana is and how their relationship changes like i i'm interested enough to see how they're going to pull that off in live action and from what i've seen of the trailers like it looks like it's a high produced show like it looks well done yeah it's it's got a a large budget i'll say this like they really nail the look of uh the spartans the look of the worlds uh the look of the 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 humans and stuff obviously but uh, also the aliens too um so far from what I've watched, they've only introduced the elites, which feel a lot like bigger and and meaner and just just more aggressive than in the game. So like that plays well to like the narrative of this is pre fall of reach in terms of the lore. So this the covenant is still very mysterious, um, but they also introduce um, the prophets, which are these more you know, elder aliens that uh, are very creepy uh, in the show. Like they nail their look and feel. And it, it, it's more of like a traditional, like um, not a traditional, but like more of like a, a creepier alien design where the, you know, the elongated neck and the, uh, you know, the just, they nail it. And the CG is really well done um, in, in that regard. And I think that, uh, we haven't, I haven't seen, uh, any jackals or, or brutes yet, uh, or, or, um, grunts, but, uh, the elites and the prophets, they do a very good job at adapting them over to the TV show, uh, with the effects. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a really well done show from that perspective. Like all the effects are superb. Um, it can be very tough to make like a 10 foot soldier in armor look, good while moving around and and for the most part they do a pretty good job like when the spartans are moving around and in combat um they do the weird thing though with video game stuff where like they they go into the screen and they show the first person view a couple times in in the first episode um they have shied away from that in in episodes after that but in that first episode there's very much like what feels like something they cut 
after they shot the pilot of like, okay, let's in this combat scene, let's have a couple of first person, you know, zoom into the visor type stuff that is very much ripped from the video games. Um, I haven't seen it since, but that was pretty noticeable. I don't think you normally do that when it's not like a video. Game. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like a weird nod to the source material. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, the uh, the actor Schreiber played Mad Sweeney in American Gods, who wasn't a god. I don't think. I think he was a leprechaun. Oh, if I'm not mistaken, he he's clean shaven in his IMDb pick, but he's he's got a big old beard, big old red beard in in American Gods. I think, unless he was a god that, that I didn't know the name of, um, he is also not a short individual. He's six foot five. Yeah, and and they play him taller in the show, right? So he's always towering over everybody. I think like canonically like the master chief is like eight feet or something um Mm -hmm. and all the spartans are very very big like again pre-fall of reach there are other spartans in the spartan program still um the master chief i think even after like the the lore gets a little weird post halo 3 where they they do bring back the spartan program and they start to you know uh, bring more spartans in but in that first original trilogy like the whole story behind it is like the master chief is the last surviving uh spartan and this is this is this story they're telling is very much pre-fall of reach covenant's very mysterious we still don't the halo i don't even think is a thing yet like so the whole title is is just not even there like it's just still being introduced um so they're really like introducing everybody to this the lore of the franchise and it's it's not retelling like the games it's actually they're calling it the silver timeline they're kind of taking everything about the halo universe from the video games and using it to kind of like and they're adapting like they're building a new story with similar characters similar story beats um the covenant is still the bad guys you know reach is still the planet where um the unsc has most of its military like they're taking those ideas and and bringing them into their own timeline but they're telling a different story which makes sense because it's a different medium I, i think to to just adapt the video game you know, word for word, it wouldn't work. It would be a, it, it'd be a pretty flat show. I think lots of action, but still pretty flat. I, I think that's good to recognize the different medium, right? Like, I think that's, that's probably key. Uh, it makes me think of how much, uh, I would like to see a horizon forbidden West film <laughs> instead yes. of, you know, like take the next franchise to, to the films. Cause I, I think that those games always intrigued me by their design and their concepts and stuff. And, I'd like to see more unique sci-fi as much as I love Marvel and like my star Wars and star Trek. Like I want more original sci-fi series and, or just film franchises. Like it would be great to have something like, you know, I mean, I think halo works better as a series, but like, I feel like something like horizon for like zero dawn or forbidden West could be a great like trilogy, you know, or, or even just a, a, a pair of films uh, not to rehash what's already happened in the video games, but to like build on it, like to take it in a in a farther direction would be would be really, really cool. That brings us to the Internet Minute, which is brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member only Discord server, which is shared with my personal Discord. And of course, access to the Barista Cut bonus audio sessions because we have hit that milestone goal on the Patreon page. Big shout out and special thanks to our Bean Counter Patron, 
Smurf588. Thanks again so much for your support of this episode. Patron count is at 28. That's up one from last week. And that is our goal to increase the patrons one every week. If you'd like to be patron number 29, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. My pick this week is short and sweet nerdordie.com. I'm new to this website. If you are a streamer and looking for resources for your stream deck for stream deck buttons, some of them are free, some of them you can buy, or looking for things to tweak your streaming software, things like overlays and alerts and animated transitions. There's a handful of free packets to get started, but you can also purchase different design packs ranging between $5 and $30, depending on what your interests are and what your needs are. They also have a spring streamer sale on right now with up to 40% off of the selected designs. There's a limited time on the sale. I thought I saw April 17th as the end date, but I can't find that again to confirm. But if you do see something that you like and it's within your budget, now would be a good time to pick it up. Uh, so that is my pick this week, nerdordie.com and check out the spring streamer sale. That wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can find more information about the show and some of the things that Ryan and I talked about at the citadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecizzlecafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, even YouTube. And of course, word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Sizzle Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan, and you can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. And of course, follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from the Citadel Minecraft server. Ryan, thanks so much for being here today, man. I know that it's a busy week for you. Where can people go to find your stuff online? You can definitely follow me on Twitter at Armurphy. Um, I know my co-host from Zombies Ate My Podcast is often on the show, uh, Lou. Um, so you can check out our podcast at zombiesatemypodcast.com. Um, and uh, for Gamers In, we just uh, just passed the 500 episode mark. Uh, you can find more of our stuff at gamersinpodcast.com where we talk about video games and such. Um, and we're actually going to be starting something new, a bit of an experiment. We're going to be doing a uh, Gamers In Discord game club uh, for 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I'll pronounce it different every time we check in on the game. But uh, the idea is for us to play um, a section of the game week to week. We'll start a Discord thread for each milestone we hit and we'll discuss it over the week as we're playing. And uh, we actually have a a friendly guide who's played the game before who's going to um, kind of set up those milestones and trying something new and trying to involve the community in playing a, a single game over the course of a couple months. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a very narrative driven game. So it should be, should be a lot of fun. And yeah, you can check out more of that at gamersinpodcast.com. 500 episodes to congrats to you and Jocelyn. That's fantastic. Thank you. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy and cheap, but you can only pick two.